Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. Our Lord says to Simon Peter, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. And when we look around us uh, today, and in the time we live in, we see that there is a lot of fear. I mean, where there is a lot of fear, there's a lot of fear-based decision-making happening. A lot of decisions being made based on fear, based on anxiety, uh, apprehension, based on expecting, you know, fear of the outcome, fear of consequences, but it's not just that. It's fear of the unknown, fear of the other, what is the other person going to do to us, fear of losing what we have, fear of change, even fear of trust. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of reasons to be afraid. There's also the fear of looking bad, and that's a very real fear. There's a lot of people just hold the party line and go along with the crowd because they're afraid of standing out and looking bad. And sometimes we're not, lo- we're not upset that, or maybe not uh, mainly upset that there is suffering in the world, but that the voice of those who are suffering, we're in a situation where their voice is loud, too loud for us to ignore. When the voices are not loud, Maybe it's easy to, to, to ignore or, or to pretend it's not happening or to kind of pretend there's no suffering and to go on about our lives because there's so much noise around our lives. There's, things are just so loud that if the voices aren't screaming, it's easy to kind of put them out of our minds. And then when the voices are so loud, we get angry that the situation has developed where the voices are so loud, we can no longer ignore them. So we have to add more noise in order to be able to get on with our lives. And we surround our lives with so much noise, so many things that just take away at our attention in order for us not to hear the voice or the screams, the cries. Fear-based decision-making is very dangerous. And I bet you when I tell you some of the symptoms, you might even say to yourself, yeah, I do that. I have some of that. This is very unhealthy. And God willing, we'll try to work a bit through that this morning. Paralysis. We're paralyzed. We want to take action. We want to do something, but we're afraid. So we're stuck in a loop. We're always considering the options, considering the outcome. They call it analysis paralysis. Paralyzed by fear. It keeps us from taking any sort of action. Keeps us from taking any sort of movement and direction forward in our lives because we're so afraid like what if I take this step what about the other steps what about the other all the other options we're always hoping that somehow a miracle would happen and the heavens will open and God will tell us take this take this step this is the direction I want you to take this is the decision I want you to make just do this because we're so afraid and that fear causes us to, to be paralyzed And the interesting thing is, we know that if we don't take any steps, nothing will change. Everything will remain the same. And the only way to change that is to take a step. 
And yet, because of the fear, we never take that step. We're always paralyzed. Fear also makes us irrational. Fear makes us irrational. You always hear the, the term irrational fear. Fear does make us irrational because it robs us of our God-given ability to think, our God-given ability to comprehend, to perceive the world around us. It blinds us. It makes us irrational. How does this look? When we indulge in hate. When we indulge in hate. Hate of the enemy. It's not enough that we identify the enemy as an enemy, an enemy who we are called to love. When we, we indulge in the hate of the enemy, we become blinded by the irrationality of fear. Fear that drives us to indulge in this hate, to revel in it, to take pleasure in how much we hate the enemy and to compete with one another over how much more I hate the enemy versus how much you hate the enemy. And we compete with one another. And we show off, I hate the enemy more than you do. We're called to actually walk in the opposite direction, but that's, we'll talk about it in a second. And one of the other symptoms that we get stuck in what they call tunnel vision. We get stuck in the small picture. We can never see the big picture because we're always blind. Fear limits what we can see. Fear drives us to see and to focus on what is immediately in front of us. And it's kind of based in like how we react to danger. Whenever there's danger, our minds limit the amount of information that comes in so that we can focus on what is immediately threatening to our lives at the moment. So fear makes us just focus so much on the small picture to the detriment of the big picture. So what are we supposed to do about fear? What did Peter today and the disciples do with fear? The first thing is resist the urge to go on social media. I know, I know. Resist the urge to go on social media. You go on, on social media, it's only going to serve to reinforce the fear. It's going to make the fear stronger. And I'm going to show you a more perfect way. Fear is like a, uh, a, a tyrant. Fear does not share authority. Fear wants to take over. Fear is not happy with just one part of your life. It wants all of you. Fear wants to command every thought, every action, every interaction. And that's what fear wants to do. So what do we do about it? Prayer. Pray about it. And I'm not just saying, you know, stand up, pray, and ask God to bless the hate that I feel in my heart and the vengeance that I'm seeking against my enemy. In prayer, challenge. Challenge that inner dialogue, that inner voice that tells you to fear, that inner voice that tells you to hate. And when that challenge happens in the presence of God, no longer is my enemy the other that I'm supposed to hate. God is going to tell me. He's going to remind me. I came and I told you. And I am telling you, love your enemy. You identify that person as your enemy, love your enemy. Challenge that inner dialogue. Those thoughts, thoughts that we have sometimes. Challenge those. Don't give in to them. Don't indulge. Challenge them in prayer. Challenge the stories that we tell about our, we tell about ourselves, about others, about how the world works. Challenge these stories. Challenge them in prayer. Present them before God and tell them, God, these are the stories that are running around in my head. 
this is how I'm seeing myself and how I'm seeing others. And when we confront these thoughts in prayer, in the presence of God, well, like St. John says, we test everything and what means and what is false disappear. Prayer. The second thing is the sacramental life of the church. The sacramental life of the church is not only uh, a presentation of the perfect life, but it allows us to move closer to that perfect life. It enables us to live this perfect life in the here and now. A glimpse of what is to come. And what is this glimpse? What is this vision of the perfect life? The fathers have many descriptions of it. One of them is called sobriety. Sobriety. Nepsis. Sobriety of mind. Meaning that my mind is no longer intoxicated. I'm not just saying intoxicated with physical things like drugs, alcohol, things like that. But intoxicated with hate. Intoxicated with pleasure, with lust. No longer is my mind intoxicated. That's what happens with the mysteries of the church. The mysteries of the church allow us to live a life of sobriety. With, with our minds awake. Remember what Christ is telling the disciples. Stay awake. Because the moment you allow intoxication to set in, you will fall in sin. And we come to the church, we become sober. It sobers us up. Sobers us up to the fact that we live in the presence of God. We're not in a place where God has came a long time ago, come visit, he came and visited a long time ago, maybe deposited some gifts a long time ago. He is here and now, and he's staying and he's not going anywhere. Prayer and the, and the mysteries of the church. And finally, listen to what St. Paul is saying to the, to the Christians in Rome. He says, Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another, according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Many of us ask things of others, many of us ask things of others, expect things of others, demand things of others that we are not willing to do. We ask someone to be patient, but I'm not willing to be, to be patient. We ask someone to be loving and caring. I'm not willing to be loving and caring. We ask someone to be honest, but I'm not willing to be honest. But what he is saying, he is reminding us of the great commandment. Love one another. Love one another as I have loved you. Love your neighbor as yourself. You expect your neighbor to be loving and forgiving. Are you able to be loving and forgiving? You expect your neighbor to be honest and truthful. Are you able to be honest and truthful when it's uncomfortable? when it's expensive and costly. That mindset is different. It's incompatible with fear. The mindset where you love the other and not fear the other. You love the other as you love yourself. You love the other as you love yourself. That mindset is incompatible with fear. With that mindset, fear has no place. With that mindset, fear is uh, exposed to be smoke and mirrors. It has no essence. It's not really there. With that mindset, he's always calling us Christ-like, the mind of Christ. He's always reminding us, be renewed by the transformation of your mind. Because with the same old mentality, we end up with the same old problems, the same old solutions, and the same old conclusions. Nothing changes. The only thing that needs to change is that mindset, that mentality.
that enemy. I tried to hate the enemy, but I know where that led. Love one another as I have loved you. How do I do that? We need to trust. We need to trust in God. In the book of Proverbs, one of my favorite verses, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Some of the things I've seen this week on social media, some of them are just ridiculous. Like I'm forced to sit back and say like, really, that's what we believe as Christians? Really? Like unless, you know, you have a strong man in the house, you're always going to uh, get taken advantage of. I'm like, is that how we really see things? Is that what we really believe? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And not just trust when it's convenient, trust when it's difficult. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your path. He shall direct your path. This is obviously easier said than done. But one of the things that are uh, important and helpful, but it could also be harmful, is your environment, your surroundings. Check your surroundings. Check who you hang out with. Check who you speak with on a regular basis. Those who you surround yourselves with. Do they trust in God? Or are they driven more towards uh, hate and fear, conspiracy theories? Who you surround yourself with. And do not make the elimination of suffering the ultimate goal. Because if that's the ultimate goal, then... Um, suffering no longer has any place in this world and has no more, no more meaning. And we're only going to end up being frustrated, sad, and upset when we come face-to-face -face with suffering. I was going to be forced with the question of why. Why is there suffering? And where is God? And how does He stand with all the suffering happening? Where is He? But the question of suffering is not so much the why, but the who, and who, who it is that we encounter in the suffering. So the, I told you about the more perfect way, and the opposite, really, of fear-based decision-making, and that's love-based decision-making. The point is not to, overcome, to, to, to eliminate fear, but to overcome it. Not to, to eliminate hate, but to overcome it. Do not be, over, do not be overcome by, by evil, but overcome evil with good. While fear robs you of your God-given abilities, love does something else. And this is what St. John is telling us in his first epistle. He says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. There's no room for fear when there is love. Because fear involves torment. Fear, listen to this, fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Because that's what love do does. Love perfects. Fear torments. Fear corrupts. Fear only drives to hate. You know, there's, there are the slogans that we, we hear around us. Love wins. Love wins. But those slogans, love wins on the outside because they make you hate the other. Love wins based on hate. But love wins based on love is a completely diff different vision for life. It's a completely different understanding of who we are and who the other is. We're not called to hate the other, but to love them. We're not called to eliminate their suffering, but to bear it with them. Notice at the church, you see a crying room in the church here. Look here, there's a, 
baptistry, you look there, offices. We got rid of the crying room because the church is the crying room. You want to cry? This is where you cry. You want to see suffering? This is where you come to see suffering and bear with the suffering. We don't come here to escape from it, but to bear it, to confront it, to face it head on. Because in Christ, in Christ, we find that love that perfects. We find that love that perfects away from Christ, running away from Him. We find only the fear that makes us mistrust the other. The fear that torments, the fear that corrupts. So today, when St. Peter is hearing the voice of God on his boat, his first reaction is when he realizes the presence of God, his first reaction is, I'm afraid. Get away from me. I'm afraid. Because he knows that there's no way God is going to be in our midst and we're going to remain unchanged. There's no way God is going to be here and now and things are going to go on as usual. There's no way. For things to continue to go on as usual, God has to get out of here. He has to get out of the picture. So we either have to distract ourselves from the presence of God, distract ourselves from the fact that He's here and He's not leaving, or somehow run away from Him. And many have tried. Someone tried to get in a boat and try to go in the middle of the ocean. You know what I'm talking about? Who am I talking about? Jonah. You got in, yes, thank, who am I talking about? Jonah. He, got, he tried to run away from God, thinking that I don't want to change things because things are. I'm just comfortable in indulging in the hate of the enemy. This is what I want to do. Here he's going to tell me things that I'm not happy with. He's going to tell me, love your enemy. He's going to tell me things like that. Right now is not the time for Now is the time for action. Time for love your enemy later on. When I do my enemy, you know one of the saints said, we learn from Christ to turn the other cheek. But we have not yet learned to love the person who slaps. I'm okay loving the person, but only when I slap him back ten times harder. But that's not what God is calling for. That's not what he said. That's not what he's saying. No, no, no. I will love him, but on my own terms, from a position of power. When I subdue my enemy, then and only then I'll think about loving him. But that's delusion. Because if I really walk down that road, there's no love at the end of that road. There's only corruption. There's only torment at the end of that road. So today when God is telling Peter, do not be afraid. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not, he's telling us the same thing. Do not be afraid because I am not going anywhere. And at the end of the day, we know and we've seen the end and, we know, and he told us about the end. When we read the book of Revelation, we know that love wins. In Matthew 23, he sits and tells all the disciples about all the things that are going to happen towards the end times. And there's so much fear that it's going to be a scary time. But he tells them, I tell you this not to be afraid, but that when it happens, you know that I told you that it's going to happen. And you also know what it's going to happen after what this happens. That love is going to win. So today, instead of getting carried away with fear-based decisions, fear-based way of living, let's get carried away with love-based, because love perfects. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life.
with Christ.